0: Well, we are in uh, the third Sunday of Advent. Um, I think somebody had made the... I, I, a lot of times there are uh, activities we do on the front end of Advent that seem rather quick and abrupt. Like, why, why do we have all these parties and all these things? And you, you have them in your, uh, in your sphere and we have them in our sphere, but it's already the third Sunday of Advent. That's why. Why? It just goes so quickly. It just goes really quickly. Well, a couple of emphases I want to bring to a couple of the announcements. One is this, communion. It's come and go. Kathy, uh, my wife, and I will be here to receive you. And we do love and uh, just desire to have the opportunity to not only uh, serve you communion in in a space and place where it's quiet, and there will be music playing, and you can stay as long as you want and just kind of spend it with the Lord. But we also love the opportunity to be able to pray with you at this, near this season's end. So we invite you uh, to join us uh, next Sunday evening for the communion, which is a come and go. You, your, you and your family, you alone, or as Brendan already said, maybe you want to bring some friends, your community group with you. That's great. We would love that. And as has already been stated, we'd love to have you at our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's a special service every year. It's just a great opportunity to anticipate, you know, on this Eve, that that pregnant Eve, if you will, of of Jesus' birth. But I also want to bring the emphasis and just bring this to you, that we want you to spend Christmas Day just as Jesus spent his first Christmas, with his family, and with uh, with his family, so do that this year, and uh, we just want you to know about that. Well, today's passage for our roots series from the family story of Jesus is found in Matthew two four through six, and I'm going to reread it to remind us to put it back in our minds. What Dan read earlier, when he had called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah is to be born. Now who is he Herod Herod In Bethlehem they in Bethlehem and Judea they replied for this is what the prophet has written but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people As we have been tracing if you will the uh, slices of fa- Jesus' family story, we're going to hit on another one this week. Last week, we talked about that Jesus came from a people. This week, we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus comes from a place, comes from a place. Uh, how many of you are from a town smaller than a thousand people? Wow. Only two of us? In fact, let me just tell you: if you raise your hand, and even if you're online, we'd love to have you. Love to uh, let us know that today, a thousand people or less. Yep there there are a few of us, but very small few of us. I, I went to a small sco- I went to a small school in a small town called North Adams. Uh, everybody knew everybody. Uh, it, it's, it was just incredible you couldn 't get away with nothing <laughs> when I was in elementary school, uh, when it was more in its heyday and it had been more in its heyday prior to that because the train used to run through that area, but then it didn't no long, it did no longer. It had a lumber company, it had a mill, it had a factory uh, when I say a mill, a, a grain mill, folks, for some of you kind of like, what is that? Um, and it was a fairly decent sized village not it's not a town it's not even a city it's a village today there's just not much there today there's not much there one could easily dismiss a small place like North Adams or think of any place like that Hillsdale's just down the road a few miles and it's where all the county's activity takes place so if you have some court business, that's where you go, you know what I'm saying? The courthouse, the sheriff's department, and where even today most people will go to shop if they're not shopping online. What could even come from a small town like this? North Adams does not have a list of people who have found their way into a magazine, the People magazine, whether you look at it on the, as you're passing it through the uh, grocery store or whatever, or Time uh, or some other magazine. Now, there may be some that are more localized magazines that people are features. Uh, In fact, there's only like one or two people that have ever emerged out of uh, North Adams that maybe a larger audience of people would even know or recognize. Now, uh, this name probably will not mean much to you, but where she went and what she did will. Her name is Penny Near. Uh, I I actually had my brother on the phone, I'm like, Hey, anybody else you know? It's like, I don't think anybody came out of North Adams. But she was an athlete uh, in our school, uh, older than I, about my brother's age, who received a scholarship to U of M. She lettered in three sports. She was a Pan American athlete as well as an Olympian. That's kind of, you know, there may be a few others. I think my dad told me that there was one guy we used to, Uh, trick-or-treat at his house and he he said he was special because he had dual citizenship and I don't know if this is true or not but he was in China and in America which is very uncommon I guess I don't know so in case you're thinking that I'm saying it's bad to come from a small town that's not what I'm saying at all but you get my point there's just not much that comes from a small town arena Uh, not very many things Uh, But what we note is that, that there are some things few and far between that do come from a place and some of those smaller places. And sometimes they're in the shadow of a larger place, but someone or something emerges out of them. If you're a scholar of the Bible, you realize this is probably more true about the smaller things than the larger things. In fact, over and over again, uh, the narrative of Scripture says it's not out of the large places, it's not out of the notoriety, but it's out of the small places that things come. And so if you're a scholar of Scripture, you know this is true. These are the tasty morsels which continue to root themselves deep into the storyline of Jesus, and they need to root themselves deep into us. Why? Why? Because it's not out of the big. It's out of the small. It's not out of the significant places and spaces where God tends to inhabit. It's, out of, it's in the insignificant and seemingly less than powerful. So to, this morning, we're going to talk about the, the very simple fact that, that Jesus came from a place. And that God works through the small. God works through the small. Jesus' story and his family line and our family line as followers is of a, of, as followers of Jesus, is a, of a God who, uh, when we love and love all, all people, has its root in the core of the covenant he made with himself and all humanity in these smaller spaces and places of time. So while we might like to go to the windy city, Jesus may not have been found there very often. Or we might want to hail the great teams. Jesus might not even find himself in weaseling himself into those places and spaces. Do you see what I'm saying? He likes the underdog. He likes us. In fact, he loves us. But what we find is that God is found in these small places. This place in Judea. Can can you sing it with me? I don't know if i can get it now i got it earlier oh little town of bethlehem how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Right there. Right there. At the time of Jesus' ministry uh, and his living, uh, the rough estimates say that Bethlehem was maybe a thousand people. God, again, does not choose the places of New York or Rome or London or Los Angeles are real as destination cities. He has chosen Bethlehem. God picks destinations outside of our realm and outside of our understanding in a world in which picks destinations all the time as places to be and places to go. This, this small, most insignificant Unknown village on the map. Check, check this out. Now, I know uh, the map is not that good. I apologize for that right now. But <clears throat> Bethlehem uh, sets way down below Jerusalem. And you might go, I've never heard of Incarim. Well, that's uh, as uh, I'm told, scholars tell us, that's where uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah are from. That's where they hail from. Uh, Dusty little places on the nap that are in the shadow of Jerusalem. In the shadow of Jerusalem. It's incredible. Did you know Bethlehem literally means house of bread? It's a beautiful thing. A fitting name for a town that delivered us the bread of life, right? Not many, not many people lived uh, in Bethlehem during the time of Joseph and Mary's stroll back to his hometown for the census. Declared for oppression, by the way. Think about that. Anybody, anytime that a leader took a census, the census was declared in order to, to derive profit that's what was going on. That's why in the Old Testament, when I think it was David wanted to declare a census, the Lord was upset with him. I believe that that's the case. And so while this, this census and this move of this young family of whom we're enraptured with during this season and all throughout the year was for nefarious reasons for Augustus, it put Mary and Joseph in the right place. At the right time. Do you get it? Out of the way. Not prominent. The relationship of Jesus to the land of Israel, in particular the town of Bethlehem, shows us that God loves to work through the very, very small to change a big world around him. Bethlehem is small and seemingly insignificant, I think some of you need to know that today. Some of you need to kind of carry this truth with you because you're feeling that. Just as Bethlehem may have not been on the route that everybody would have known, you feel like you're not on the route that everybody knows. You're not, you're not even sure you're feeling you're like you're in the right place that everybody knows. But God has placed you on purpose and with great design. God doesn't work as we would work. He works as he works, as he desires. He doesn't look to the limelight and the glittery and the big. So let's just continue that up. What's happening in your life and in the world that God is weaving together, weaving good together with what seems to be small and seemingly insignificant? Could it very well be that in your feeling that you're small, out of the way, that God is actually carrying out his plan just as he desired to do? That your feelings, may I go there a little bit, are not telling you the truth? Could be. And so what is it maybe this morning if you're feeling that way that you need to surrender humbly to Jesus, those things that are causing you great angst, that you think are in the way or out of the way, small. Just to remind us a few of the storylines of Scripture, let's take a journey down Remembery Lane. I did say that, Remembery. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery. His path was to prison. Not necessarily a path to second in command in Egypt. Hmm, Hmm. we know these, right? Or if we don't, we need to refresh ourselves. How about Moses? Uh, This powerful position he had in and could have claimed in Egypt, uh, taking things into his own hands, thrusted him into the desert to wander. (laughs) Where does he end up? all the time by the way like you and me questioning really my voice david was the youngest son of jesse remember we started this the stump of which the there's a there's a shoot that comes out of and he was the youngest son we we may remember this but the idea that he was the youngest and this maybe the smallest was really correlated to more like Jesse thought he was insignificant. So leave him out there. And yet Samuel says, no, 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 bring them all. I need to see them all because the Lord has his work to do. I mean, Jesse, even though named, was not thinking that God would choose him. <laughs> We're reminded in Micah chapter, two, chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath... Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Small. God chooses the small, and sometimes you and I feel that, don't we? That is never and will never hinder God doing his work that he has designed and planned to do. Our job is actually to join him in that, uh, to allow him to work. And in fact, I would say, and he often demonstrates over and over again, that he actually chooses the small and the unknown, the out-of-way places, to do his greatest work. So if you feel small today, take heart. Take heart. God, I believe, if you're surrendered humbly to him, is using you. You need to step into your destiny, if you will. Step into what he's given you. Don't step back. Don't feel small. Live as he's called you. Number two, God, I believe, works through the powerless. I love this picture. Babies, man, we love them, don't we? They're small and they are powerless. Oh, yet many babies have wielded great power. To change the world around them. How many of you have had sleepless nights. Because of your baby. Or somebody else's baby. <laughs> right? Yeah? Not just, are they, not just when they are hungry. Or need a do- diaper change. Do they wield this power? How many of us men. Husbands. Who have become fa- fathers. Have, have, have had to evaluate had to truly evaluate and are challenged in our selfish ways because of of a child that has been born to us is that power is that power in a small powerless you know frame I mean it's incredible and we're tenderized now, we may be a little tenderized out of responsibility and out of duty, but I pray for you and for all that have children that you're tenderized for the love that you have for the child to evaluate your own way, your own course. So being small in many cases can come with it a sense of powerlessness, but God sends in full displays of his glory. As he did that very night in Bethlehem with the sky lit up as angelic with angelic hosts though those were out there setting outside of Jerusalem if you know a little, a little bit more about the the map and idea Jerusalem really was the the powerhouse and Bethlehem sat in its shadow perpetually I would say but those angels came on that night to those who felt powerless in the world not to those who felt power Not to those who had it. I mean, Los Angeles means the city of angels, but God had another word about the city of angels, didn't he? I mean, on that very night, Bethlehem's outer skies are lit with angels and the heavenly host. The sky above it hangs heavy with a star that points out the Messiah's birthplace. It is a grand place of what some would say powerlessness Hmm. But to feel powerless, you feel as if you're without agency, right? You don't have independence. You, it's not a good feeling. And God steps into the powerlessness we feel and says, what about here and now? Remember, I, I, am, I'm, I entered the world through the week. I, the humble and the vulnerable, and we can all feel small and unseen, lost and unregarded, truly without power or ability to change things at times. And our Heavenly Father speaks to us in those places that we're right in the place where heaven meets earth. We're right in those places, those thin spots, some of us are familiar with. With the saints and all those who have gone before, recognizing that in this place of powerlessness, that we actually have his strength behind us, we are actually changing and have the ability to change the world. It's interesting. Paul speaks to the Corinthians about being small and lowly, if you will, in Corinthians. It says this, Brothers and sisters, think about what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, Not many were influential, not not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one boast, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So, in this place of small and powerlessness, God upends the world. He, he thwarts those who think they're wise in their own eyes, right? even the one asking about hey where is this one being born it's incredible the place was the place was small and powerless and also hidden so how do you get to north adams now i could tell you but without a gps it becomes these roads that you have no idea what I'm talking about because it's not on the main track. But how many of you remember, uh, this is our name, this may be another uh, another claim to fame uh, in the process of North Adams, but how many of you remember the show Home Improvement? Anybody remember that show? Tim, right? (laughs) Yeah, there you go, you know it. Tim Allen, there's an episode, and if if you're a student of the episode, you know this, there was an episode where North Adams is mentioned. If I remember, Tim and Jill are on their way to Ohio to something, I don't remember what it was, and they get lost, and they end up in North Adams somehow, right? That's one way we find out some of those hidden places, right? You've gotten lost, and you went, oh, this is kind of a cool place. You know, during Jesus' birth, only those uh, who were from there, now think about this, knew, uh, knew, were from there, knew to take the fork in the road by the big stone and the palm tree to the left and not to the right. Right? I mean, that's how we tell people, uh, you know, if you go to the farmhouse, you know, all, I mean, that's how we tell directions. And remember, the God guided the wise men by a star. Right? They did Bethlehem. They, the star had to hang over the top, right? Actually, it wasn't Bethlehem, but anyway, we'll go there. They'll go there another time. But he did guide them, right? And the and in the journey, the wise men did have to head through Jerusalem because it was the place. There must be a king going to be born here. Yet this idea of hidden does go to some of our hearts and some of the way we feel. Job said this, why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? You ever feel that way? <laughs> Lord, why, why are you hiding me or why are you hiding the way? Well, you're not alone. If you've ever felt that, Job shears your feelings. Yet again, one of those places and spaces in our time that we need to be challenged is our feelings. And his feelings were not the truth of the situation at all. Just like Bethlehem was a hard place to provide directions to, maybe, it was near more other prominent destinations, but it was not a prominent destination that other things were near. We, too, have to trust the truth of what God has already said. The Isaiah prophet in chapter 53 of his, uh, of his own book, name book in the Bible emphasized the hiddenness and the unattractiveness not only of a place but of Jesus himself. It says this in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Listen to this. He grew up before them like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. Kind of like he blended in with all of us. Nothing distinctive. He didn't make People magazine. He didn't run the runways in modeling. Nor was, you know, in that way. Like his hometown, Jesus can be, uh, Jesus can be hidden and out of the way for many but once we found Him, find Him or are found by Him, all, the whole world opens up to us. All locations have their context and their meaning when we discover the hidden Lord in all His beauty and His goodness. God, that know, know that the God that sees you knows your smallness, your powerlessness, and your hiddenness, and is leading you to become a person who bears the glory of his gospel to the world. I think there's a, several other passages that talk about this, this feeling of hiddenness that not only can we feel, but even as a people we can feel. Maybe even in this day and culture, right? Where we feel like we're in a in a paper bag trying to find our way out. What paper bag? Isaiah 40 says this: why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. and his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power to the who? The weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, hope, truth, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings, soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It is a reminder of God's faithfulness to the small, the seemingly powerless, and the hidden. Scripture provides us lesson upon lesson. Here, here's another one from Luke one one through three. It's a little bit beyond the birth narrative, but it captures our attention to the small, uh, to the hidden and the powerless potentially. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius of Caesar Caesar Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod tet- Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip Tetrarch of Iturea, and Trachonitis Trachonitis and Lysanias. Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness Uh, my point is this a lot of big names there, a lot of powerful people, probably in powerful places, significant places but where does the word of the Lord go? it goes to John in the wilderness Uh, hidden in plain sight if I may say I mean, where are we placing our hope? Where do we place our hope? So let me ask you, where in your life do you feel small, insignificant, powerless, and hidden? You just, you just feel that. It may not be in every area. You may be knocking out of the park at work. Everybody loves you there, but you walk back in the door at home and you realize... There's no parade, there's no celebration, Uh, and it's not that you're looking for one, but you realize that the attention and detail that you're giving at home is not to the same attention of detail that you're giving at work, or maybe it's vice versa, or maybe you just feel like in your workplace and space, you've come to this wondering of what am I doing? what does Jesus speak to us in this season where he deliver, Where what does God del- speak to us, excuse me, when he delivers a son to two unsuspecting young people who take a journey to Bethlehem with this grand, grand deposit of hope for the world? Let me ask another question. In what ways do you deal with those feelings? Of feeling small, insignificant, powerless, and hidden? It is a temptation in these days, especially with the onslaught of social media, uh, that we would want to use and leverage social media for whatever purposes we desire in order to get our voice heard. To validate our message, maybe as followers of Jesus, or even validate our messages politically, socially. But I think there's, a, there's an underlying message here to, to the church, to us, is that's not the way that Jesus seems to, or God has seemingly changed the world in the past, And it may not be, I can't say that it won't, but it may not be the way that he desires to change the world in the future. By, maybe it's not social media for you, but you realize that you're in a conversation with people and you realize they know people that you don't know, but you feel insignificant in those places and spaces. And so instead you drop, hey, I know Philip of Tetrarch. Okay, you don't. You get my point. You start to name drop people you do know Or my temptation of feeling small, insignificant, uh, maybe even hidden, is to drop the knowledge that I know in places and spaces where it is less than proper. Right? Ah. This idea of waiting that I want to weave into this as we close it because it seems like it's present in our conversation this morning already is one that Jesus calls us into, one that the Lord calls us into. We want things to happen. I I am definitely sure that that those in Israel wanted the Messiah to to do it in a way that was grand and on display. But Jesus calls us into a place of of continuing to do what we've been called to do. Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, Elizabeth, all of these people remind us that we have our our task to fulfill, whether we feel small, insignificant, hidden, powerless. We have our place to play, but we also have this this task of waiting for the Lord and waiting while you may feel this weight of powerlessness, of smallness. is tiring, isn't it? That's why Isaiah said, look, you're hidden, but God sees you. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 11, verses 25 through 29. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this for this is what you were pleased to do. Another, uh, another message laid over the top. It's, um, it's my pleasure to give it to those who don't suspect So Don't suspect it. To those who desire it for other reasons, he doesn't. He says, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and those who the son chooses to reveal to him. But here, we often take this verse and set it outside of this context, which may be appropriate in some places, but I think it's, It's tied in. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for your yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, can I just tell you, God has not forgotten you. Your location is not lost on God at all. You may feel small. You may feel powerless. You may feel like hidden. And, and you want to break out. But he, he knows. He knows. He sees you. He calls you to be faithful in the midst of wrestling With the feelings of feeling small, powerless, and hidden. So I ask you this morning, again, I'm gonna come back to the question: in what ways do you deal with those feelings? In what ways do you you are you going to press into the Father as those who are faithful in the birth narrative did this morning? So what do you bring? What do you bring that's hidden? What do you bring that's powerless? What do you bring in this feeling of small? God desires to use you, but he uses the surrendered, the submitted, the committed, in his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends and my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, who are this morning... Uh, feeling maybe as Bethlehem did before this grand display of beauty in the sky and the birth of your son in a stable. Small, powerless, and hidden. Father, we bring our hearts to you this morning. Wondering if our, 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 our faithful walking with you is making any difference in the world in which we live. Because we can't see it. We can't even feel it. Because in some cases, our hearts are so misaligned to the truth. So, Lord, would you, would you break in? Would you break into our hearts this morning, into our lives? Remind us of, of how you have worked throughout the storyline, the family line of Jesus and our family line this morning. Would you, would you deposit hope into the hearts that are despairing this morning? Would you bring joy to those who uh, cannot see their way to the next day? Would you allow your peace to pass all understanding in the hearts that are that are worried about tomorrow because of their place? So, friends, I just ask you as we as we move through this time of of uh, songs in the next uh, few moments, that you would create an altar, you would create a place and a space where you could. You could bring this feeling of smallness and ask the Lord to speak into it. I know that when I've felt those uh, that, that, that tug of maybe even despairing of feeling small and insignificant, that I simply, Lord, I, I need an affirmation. I, I need you to speak in this, in this place. And maybe that's your your heart's cry this morning. Just lean out to him. And if you're in a place where you can see and feel and you know that your place is a place God sees, celebrate that.